Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. Good evening and welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools podcast. Uh, we're joined tonight by two other international educators, which is so fantastic when we bring new people in on the conversation tonight. We have Diana coming from Singapore and Scott joining us from India tonight. And Diana, we'll start with you. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you come from and what you do. And uh, we'll go on to Scott after that. Okay, so I'm Diana Pratt, uh, and I'm currently teaching at Singapore American School. I'm an eighth grade science teacher, um, which is my original background. Uh, for the past previous uh, schools I've been at, uh, I've been at the American School of Bombay and at Taipei American School, and I was a technology coordinator there uh, at those two schools. So I kind of shifted my uh, my own practice uh, into um, from being a coordinator into going back in the classroom. Um, I'm from Texas. Um, I've been living overseas uh, for 19 years. I am joined with uh, my family, which has been a, a ride all the way along. So, yeah. Great. Well, thank you and welcome. Uh, we'll go on to thank Scott. You. Welcome tonight, Scott, and give us a little bit about where you're at. Thanks. Yeah, I'm Scott Hoffman, and uh, I teach second, uh, second or third grade is what I've taught for the last 10 or 12 years, and uh, started off at Hong Kong International School and was there for 10 years, and then I'm in my second year at American School of Bombay in Mumbai. Excellent. Um, and I think the, the part where, um, you know, Diane and I crossed paths in Mumbai and worked a lot together and definitely have a kind of a shared experience and outlook. But, and then you must have crossed paths with David in Hong Kong. Absolutely, yeah. There you go. See, it's a crazy how connected this international world is, I tell you. That's the way it goes sometimes. Well, how are you doing tonight, David? Nice to have you again from Taipei, as usual. Things are, are really going well, and uh, as usual, I need to talk about the weather, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. I think we missed winter here in Taipei, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so that's a good um, How are How are you doing tonight, Jeff? I'm doing well, and it's uh, the heat is setting back in in Bangkok, and it is freaking scorching hot here. And I was told today, I was complaining about how hot it was today, and I was told that this is nothing compared to what it's going to be. So I was like, thank you for that. I appreciate that. that look at. So, well, let's go ahead and get started into a conversation. And, David, I'm going to throw it to you to kind of frame tonight our essential question where we'll be talking a little bit about going one-to-one and where, where that point is that a school needs to go. Yes. Our essential question is, which comes first, shifted practices or the one-to-one laptop program? Um, And I'm I'm really excited to have Diana and Scott join us tonight because both of them have the background there in Mumbai, a school that's been doing a one-to-one program for a long time. 
And as much as we discuss on our podcast that it's always about learning and the technology is secondary, I think that's kind of a giveaway for what really needs to come first when we're thinking about introducing laptops programs to our schools. So, Scott, why don't we chat, get you talking a little bit about, um, I guess one way to frame it is if, if a school was to hire you to say, come on in, be a consultant, and help us begin to think about having a one-to-one laptop program, what are some things that you would share with that community, the, the teachers, the administration, the students? I'd probably tell them to get a better consultant to start out with. (laughs) You know, I I definitely could say from, you know, my experience that, you know, I started out in my classroom last year. There were six laptops for 18 students. And and I think a lot of that was, you know, the, the plan to purchase laptops was in its early stages. And when I got there, I just said, you know, we need to do something about this. It, it needs to at least be, you know, one to two, or you might as well take the six out of there because using them just becomes so difficult. And um, mm-hmm. so I think I would say the closer you get to one to one, the more natural having computers in your classroom is. And um, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's really impossible to have a shift in thinking until you have that one to one ratio and it's because um, if, if you're always trying to manage kids that aren't on computers then the computers aren't really you know they're not a organic part of your classroom they're an add-on and um, and so you're not going to stop to reroute your thinking for an add-on but once it's a organic part of your classroom that you will that that's when you start changing how you think and that's I think that's the starting point for me in my experience. Excellent, Diana. You want you want to jump in, and, and what are what are some experiences? Because um, I know you were you were in Taipei sharing uh, with Taipei American in the past year in their program. What are some some insights that that you shared with them? Yeah, and I think you know when you talk, we talked we talked about doing this, and I thought, oh, of course, we have to say you know that the shifted practice comes first. We're educators. Um, but I have been, I think my experience is, is that um, when I, I was at Taipei American School um, doing coordinating, and my experience there actually helped me a lot when I went to the one-to-one school that uh, American School of Bombay has in the secondary school. And um, I guess that experience, what I, what I saw at American School of Bombay is that, you know, the laptops did come first, and um, or it could have been that maybe, maybe not necessarily, but shifted discussions didn't come at the same time, um, and it really the laptops came in, and teachers just kind of, you know, started integrating their current practices into using these this technology with the kids. So, you know, there were, you know, scan textbooks and worksheets and, you know, um, a lot of PowerPoint presentations, a lot of word processing. You know, the, the, the technology was being used, but but I think you, you've got, you do have to start with, uh, of course, where um, the importance of knowing the, the, of why you're going to use that technology. Um, 
I did get a chance to go uh, back to Taipei American School uh, because they were in the process of of really uh, focusing on, um, first of all, I hope at the school, you know, is a vision and there's buy-in from, uh, first of all, your administrators and the support that's there. Um, But I think with Taipei, um, when I left there, I felt like uh, what we had going there was already a direction without, you know, one-to-one learning. They did have a direction of shifted practice without one-to-one. You know, there was um, a a culture that technology integration was kind of the norm. Um, And that was through a lot of hard work and um, a lot of collaboration um, and a lot of focus because the support of the administration was that, you know, hey, technology should support curriculum and it's important that we find ways and also provide resources to help move uh, the the community and the culture along. So when they started talking about one to one and going that way, it was in, it was you know there were struggles in going in that direction, um, but it was easier for the community to say, yeah, this is the way we should go. Um, you know because their norm already was integration, looking for ways in which technology supported curriculum, and it was from the teachers, uh, you know, focusing on that. So I think that, um, you know, and, and it did help going from uh, American School Bombay and getting a chance to go back to Taipei where I knew that culture was there and watching that, you know, they, they uh, put the laptops into sixth grade, ninth grade, and tenth uh, grade this past year, and they've had a lot of success in starting their program. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, I came into American School of Bombay after it had been going for four years and there were a lot of questions, you know, is this really valuable, you know, but it was because the, the thought behind adding this technology, you know, the discussions of why are we using this um, and how are we using it um, needed to be, the fo- focus needed to turn. And it did, it did while, um, while I was there with Scott. So I think, I think it came a long way um, uh, in moving that school in that direction. So one of my questions is then is can you how do you actually get teachers to understand what it means to be in a one to one program without actually being one to one? You know, I, I struggle with this because I, I'm thinking like, okay, if we if we all see technology as a tool in the classroom, at, at some point you just have to do it. Like I'm thinking when we change schools from chalkboards to whiteboards, which is just a tool in the classroom. What did we do? Did we have one teacher adopt a whiteboard and then we went through this adoption process and we tried to see what are all the new and cool ways you could use a whiteboard? And oh, and then another teacher wanted to have a whiteboard. But at some point, you had to just give everybody a whiteboard. At some point, you have to say, okay, we are no longer going to be buying chalkboards. We're going to be buying whiteboards and that's the way it's going to be from now on. Does there become a point with technology where it's like that? You can have conversations about what it's like to be in a one-to-one classroom, but until you've actually taught in a one-to-one classroom, can you really understand how it's going to change the learning landscape? Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, in, uh, my move from um, Taiwan, uh, Taipei American School, to American School of Bombay, I, I was teaching technology classes uh, in addition doing the coordinating. And, you know, I've, I've got middle school kids and all these sixth graders come in and they've all got laptops. And, you know, and there wasn't, I mean, there was some orientation about what to do and how to, to, to be prepared for that. But, wow, it was, it was a 
great um, learning experience for the first four months of being there, you know, having to get a ground of what does it mean when all the kids come in, you know, with those laptops. Yeah, and, and, and you know, to answer that question about, you know, where, where do you start, I, I really think, um, you know, little by little is, is okay, but when you go into a situation like this, you know, I think you need to know you're going down that road and you do all, you go for it. Um, uh, the, the laptops, like Scott was saying, is having, having the more laptops available to you, uh, you know, on carts, or, and that's what Taipei did. Um, they had laptops on carts, and, you know, they were using those, you know, in a maximum. Uh, and, and that, to me, was telling me they were ready to go to all the students owning their own laptops. But were all of the were all of the teachers at a place where they were to a shifted practice? They were shifted enough that that they understood what to do. Or does there become a what I would call a tipping point where no longer can you sustain, or it becomes financially um, doable to continue to buy laptop carts, and there just becomes a point where it's easier, and the teachers are to a point. The majority of teachers, not all the teachers, but a majority of the teachers right. are to the point where they're so frustrated that you have to go there. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I guess, um, you know, part, after going, you know, through, you know, I think one of the things is, you know, for people that like us who have spent a lot of time with technology, you know, we understand that frustrational curve, but you know, you have to be compelled by the results that you see out there that are possible. So, if you can put those out in front of people, I think most people will be compelled by compelling things. Um, and then, you know, an, another aspect is, you know, I've, I've, the, when I've noticed people that get up, you know, worried or uptight about technology, it's because it has a basis in their history. And, um, you know, maybe they've set up a lesson and had it not go right and had kids all over the place. Or, you know, they've tried to do some sort of presentation in front of a lot of people and didn't go right. And so they have that kind of experience. And I think, you know, being able to lay out in front of people and say, you know, the nature of technology is that sometimes it doesn't work. But um, the nature of our world is that people work with technology. And, um, and I think one of the things that I feel like we're starting to do a little bit here is um, being able to kind of create a culture of play to be able to say. And, and then, you know, Diana, when we worked last uh, year putting together some things for the laptop conference we talked about being in the medium or living in the medium and um, if you can't get teachers to play and feel like there's some freedom to play around and try to discover stuff and make time for that um, it's going to be hard for them to to find things that are compelling to them but I think um, having that aspect of play be an important part of faculty work you know, if you if you want to bring faculty into laptops, you show a tool, and then you encourage them all to play with it, and then say what kind of implications are there for the classroom. And um, because a lot of this stuff is really new for all of us, you get new tools every week, and you have a feeling that there's something that you can do. But until you have those conversations, it's hard to build a culture of that. So I guess I would just say like a culture of play, and and also Diana, we always talked, we always kind of joked about. You know, go make friends with a high school kid (laughs) (laughs) because they all, you know, they all know where where it's at, what's happening because they're living in the medium. Yeah, they are. 
Yeah, and I think, Scott, you, you made a point of, of saying, too, is that, that one piece there is about the collaboration. I mean, it is so essential. I mean, if you're if you're in that medium and you're talking about it and you're discussing it and figuring out other ways to do it, it is so important to to, to move forward and to understand how it's going to affect, affect what you're doing. So would you say that the culture of a school in the preparedness to move one-to-one is more important than having teachers on board and understanding how it changes learning? Hmm. I mean, I, you know, as far as on board, what, what do you mean by on board? Um, like I mean, resisting. Or? Yeah, well, resisting, or at least, or are are not actively thinking about what how it's going to change the classroom. You know, I I, I think about the stuff that I was doing in Shanghai last year before they they would just they just passed their one to one initiative and we'll start one to one next year. And but talking about you know the teachers there that were there was there was comp- there was fear from some teachers that they didn't know what that would do and they were fearful that they wouldn't know how to teach when every kid has a laptop, and so not understanding how it actually changes the environment of learning was a real issue and we had to spend time as much time as you can when you only have a cart of five laptops in your room or able to check out to a teacher of trying to understand how it changes when all of a sudden every kid has a machine that's this powerful. It changes everything from note-taking to research skills to the conversations that take place in the classroom because now you can move the actual content part out of the classroom and into the web. So it actually changes how you come to -to face-to-face time. But is is actually that, building the culture of the school more important than focusing on any individual teacher and trying to get them to understand this is going to happen? Yeah. You know, I, I think that that a teacher who would resist to the point where you'd have to have that conversation with them is, like, more about not having a growth mindset. So I'm sure it's probably not – I would guess that it's not just in that area. It might be a new practice anywhere. And – you know, one of the things I, I just thought of a story about my, my dad. Um, you know, my dad doesn't know how to touch type. He's never written me an email, but he he loves Gonzaga basketball. It's a college basketball team in the U.S. Hey, I'm from Spokane. I know Zags. Okay. Yep. So he, he loves college basketball, and one of the games was blacked out, but the the Gonzaga chat room that he reads all the information on had some information about how you could kind of do this backdoor way into an ESPN's streaming coverage of the game. And my dad, who can't touch type, who can't download music and listen to it on a computer, his, his motivation to do that thing was strong enough that he was able to do it and then call me up and tell me how to do it. <laughs> you know, so... I think that's, you know, being able to find and have conversations with teachers like, what are some things you'd really love to be able to do? And then and helping them do that because then they see the power that it has for them. And then that's that's just something that, you know, or finding those stories in your school and highlighting them, um, highlighting the person who struggles, who maybe is is very vocal about not being comfortable with technology and helping them have a big success and then sharing that out. How important it, I, how I, I, important yeah. is it that teachers have access to a laptop from a teaching point of view before you give them to kids in a one to one program? Very important. I, I think very important. 
And how long and should that adoption? That. How long? How long out do you think that adoption should be? Six months or a full year? Um, I think a full year. Uh, well, and, and the, the the places I've seen, I think a full year is important. That you start talking. I mean, that teachers get the the laptop before the students and they have a year that they are doing some PD work with it or understanding how to use it um, yeah I think that's that's very beneficial I, I want to go back to the you know about the culture and and I, I think that's important but I think you know s- somehow you've got to bring that culture along and there has to be some good visual support from your administration and and I think you know, if, 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 the, if the, you know, the administration at the schools are saying, yes, this is where we're going, you know, that needs to be clear and be stated over and over again from them, not from the technology coordinator. You know, it needs to be somebody saying, you know, hey, we've made this decision. We're going this down this road and um, I'm going to, you know, plus get the support that's needed to go that way um, would be understandable if they're agreeing to do it. So. And it's very nice to be in a school where the admin is is the one leading that vision out and, and where the technology coordinators aren't left trying to rah-rah all the time. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the on, – on the flip side of this, what's the – what is the downside of – let's say the administration's on board and when the administration just makes a, a decision and says, you know what? I truly believe we can support this. I believe this is what's best for learning. And we're going to go one-to-one. We're going to do it in two years' time. And they just put the tool in before starting those conversations. Is is that truly detrimental to a school community? Or is it just that teachers will say, well, you know, that's the way things are, and they'll pick it up, and they'll they'll learn it? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, you mean I think- like... Uh, Scott, why don't you go first? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think that's where I go, you know, for me, I'll just go from my own experience. Like, uh, you know, when I first came into ASB, I had, uh, an old laptop and it's, it just, it was horrible and it was slow and it was freezing up all the time. And, um, and I just found the working with technology, like an obstacle. And, uh, but when I got that new laptop, um, that made a bit of a difference. And then when I had, um, you know, so my kind of evolution is having that laptop that works, understanding how it works, then having, finally getting to a one-to-one, um, you know, a one-to-one environment. I'll, I'll say that one of the things that, that I'm doing now in my classroom is, is that we are all writing on Google Apps. So my kids all have their Google Apps and their Google Docs up, and they're writing. Like today, we wrote poetry, and all the kids were working on a poem on um, Google Documents. And then, very easily, as the kids wanted to share, was just able to project. Um, that's not something I could have really. I might have imagined it, but I couldn't pursue it in anything less than a one-to-one environment. So, you know, going back to your original question. Is yeah, you just kind of have to put those laptops in people's laps, and you have to get them experimenting and playing, and then you have to get them in the classroom. And some teachers are going to leave them on the racks, but others aren't. And then you need to use those others as catalysts to 
you know, spread the practice. Yeah. I, I guess that's my long-winded answer. Yeah. What do you think, David? What are you thinking? I'm. It's interesting. I'm going from a, a one-to-one school to um, a non-one-to-one school in a school that doesn't have a lot of technology when we move to Morocco next year. And, and my wife, uh, Margaret, is... Very, is a library media specialist and gate coordinator uh, and a real leader for information literacy and inquiry and research and all that. It, it's going to be an interesting step. And, and Scott, you're just talking, both of you have been talking about collaboration. And I'm thinking of all the things I do with my students now, from Google Docs to blogging to using wikis, all the names of the tools, but they all support. Uh, concept-based learning and is what do we in collaboration um, just for example to do mind maps we use mindmeister and, and it becomes 2.0 because the kids share with each other and and build off of each other's ideas and scott i know you were using kidspiration and inspiration back at hks and probably having kids use paper and pencil and it's just a great instructional strategy but as soon as you have all those kids as you're saying with laptops and they they are let's say doing the new webspiration that's out in beta that you can use for free at the moment. Um, it becomes much much more powerful. But I, I do think this is why at the beginning I did tend to say I, I think you've got to shift, got to start the shift. And as Jeff's saying, uh, you have to have that culture. And and uh, Scott, you're saying a culture where. There's a change mindset. You have a learning community, and people are willing to try new things. Let's say it's not a laptop program, but your school is going to put a garden out back, and you're going to center your school around that, or you're going to become more of an art school. You've got to be, as you're saying, ready to adapt and ready to try new things. And so I, I, I do think the more that a school getting ready for that laptop program and the teachers having the laptop the one year before are starting to do uh, – no, no longer doing their uh, the kids doing the word processing in Word, but they're using Google Docs and they're collaborating. Even though they're going home, they're collaborating at home. And when they're they're doing some research, they're doing it in MindMeister and they're sharing it with a partner. That you you get that going because, as Jeff, you're pointing out, I see I see the downside risk in the landmines in a school that brings laptops on too fast especially if you don't have that culture of change and that strong learning community. And I, I know it's, it was big in the media in the U.S., a couple of school districts who were dropping their one-to-one programs after a few years. It, and I can only guess it was through mismanagement. They didn't have enough instructional technologists on the ground supporting people. But I do think it is a balance, um, and we do need to start the shift. But as you're pointing out, there's nothing like having those laptops in your hands, um, but I just would be a little bit fearful of, an, of a, <clears throat> a large enough group of teachers digging in their heels and slowing down the process a bit. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm throwing stuff out there just for for conversation's sake. But what I truly believe and what I've seen happen is that you know you start with the classroom, and as you're slowly moving as you're slowly moving computers into the school, and, and you're putting them into laptops, and you're getting them in, you build that within the teachers, and you you come to a point where you can't keep up with the technology integration, and teachers are pushing for more, and I think that's where you want to be. Um, you know, a great example yes. of where we're at here in Bangkok right now is we have. 
four laptop carts for for six grade for six classrooms, and they're constantly checked out. And the teachers are are truly frustrated that they can't access the technology when they want. And that's a fantastic frustration. The problem is, is the school has to capitalize on that and understand that now is the time that you start that you can go one to one. And the problem is, is if you wait too long, you frustrate those teachers, and they're going to go find schools that are going one to one. And as we've talked on other conversations, you know, I mean, I don't know where where Singapore is, but you know, Mumbai is already one to one. You know, the thing I did at the Iricos Admin, that all twelve of the business managers that sat in the presentation that I gave at the Iricos Admin are are either one to one schools are going one to one. It's a momentum here that those teachers that understand how to use it are going to find jobs and schools that that wait too long, you're going to lose your early adopters that are going to be able to help the maybe second wave of adopters come in and understand how those work. But if you go, if you move too fast, you're not going to have them ready to be leaders yet within your school. So I think there's, there's a, there's a, a literal tipping point that a school has to look at and say, where is it? Where is that point when we, when we can say, okay, this is where we're at. We have our early adopters and our teachers are just enough frustrated that they're going to stick around and we can say, Hey, look, if we give you one-to-ones, you're going to have to help us and show us what we can do with it. But you're going to also be able to help bring up those that might be a little farther behind or a little bit scared of what that's going to do. So to me, that's the perfect balance is that if you wait for everybody to get on board, you're never going to get there. And you can't just drop the laptops in people's laps, but you have to go through this kind of you know, it's kind of like climbing a mountain to find out that it's a it's a drop off on the other side, and I think that's what you have to do as a school. You climb, climb, climb the mountain, but there's at some point where you just have to go one to one, or you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the momentum. Yep, that makes yeah. sense. And, and as you pointed out, like as more schools go one to one, I mean, it's not like it hasn't been done, and and there are great models out there. You know, my recommendation is get teachers to those schools. Um, the, the ASB Unplugged conference, which, which was wonderfully done and, and it was so successful and had so many people interested in it, so many people collaborating. They got a chance to see the kids in action at that conference. Um, you know, send teachers. I mean, here in Singapore, there are, you know, local schools that are one-to-one and, you know, and, and should be thinking of that, you know, going to those schools and watching what's happening. Um, It's not like it's not being done. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think, you know, what both you and Scott brought up about this culture, it's, to me, it's more of a school culture than it is about an individual teacher. If you have a Mm -hmm. culture that, that sees play and creativity and allows teachers just to fool around with their laptop, you're going to have better success. You know, I saw this in action this weekend. We're doing a, a graduate course here, or on Wednesday night, is teachers had to do an elevator touch, uh, test. They were doing or elevator pitch. They had to. Um, we took the Horizon project and we broke them into groups. So they're they're taking a graduate level course, and we had them take uh, these small groups. Took one aspect or one trend that was coming out of the uh, Horizon report, and they had to learn everything they could about it in at 30 minutes, and then they had to do a two minute elevator pitch to the rest of them on how that one trend. Was was going to affect uh, education. And it was fantastic that here sat all these teachers, and all of a sudden a group runs out of the room. They grab a digital camera. They grab their MacBook. They go into iMovie, and they actually create like a little one-and-a-half-minute little video that we're going to be uploading to YouTube because it's so fantastic. And it's just quick. You know, they were... Mm -hmm. Being, they were exploring, and only one out of the whole group had used iMovie. 
And so, you know, somebody else grabbed a digital camera and they, it was just a chance and it's nothing final cut, but it was a great exploration experience for that group. And there was actually two groups that did it, but I think it was that kind of, it was one of those things where the class that we're trying to create is a very much a class about culture and about trying stuff new. You know, for most of the people, we have 40 of our staff in the class. And for most of them, it's the first time they've ever edited a wiki page. And they didn't even know how to, you know, log on to a wiki. They all have a blog and all of their assignments are written in blog posts. And we've exposed them to amount of tools and allowed them in a very safe environment, allowed them to become comfortable with them as they move through this program. So, I, you know, I think that's probably the one thing I'm taking away right now is that, to me, that's the number one thing is this. You have to have a culture in place that allows teachers to be creative. And I don't know if we do that. Yes. Well, well you know, you, just, you, know, you go, said go, that the word ahead, allows. And, and yes. I was just thinking about how, you know, if you have enough computers to go one-to-one in your classroom, you can pretty much tell if a teacher is a democratic kind of a person or if they're an autocratic kind of person because, um, you know, the, the, I think the thing that when I back up and what I've been so thrilled about technology in general is it's um, how it lends to social constructivism, mm-hmm. how it lets kids be the meaning makers, how it has lets kids get meaning from other kids and the teacher. And it puts you in that facilitator seat. And I think that the, the big shift, you know, even for me, and that's the way I prefer to think, but I find myself a lot of times standing up in front of the classroom having my monologue when I'm really like, you know, maybe I should have just emailed these instructions to the kids so that when they came in in the morning, they could just get started and they wouldn't have to wait for me. Yeah. Um, so it's that that whole idea of really changing to be able to think about having a democratic classroom. And uh, I think people that don't have democratic classrooms um, won't really know what to do with the technology besides some drills or some skills. That's huge. And and what do we do with Uh, those teachers? Because are there enough teachers that are creative to fill the gap if we start pushing all of those teachers out? Yeah, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's why one of the most important things you, you look at, you know, one of the important factors for being happy and as an international school teacher is who are the people you're sitting next to, um, you know, and, and at international schools, I feel like the people are collected, <laughs> um, you know, so I guess that I really enjoy where I'm at right now because so many great people have been collected that we really don't have there's no groundswell against technology there is no you know there's a few people that get frustrated um you know and there's people that you know maybe feel like they get pushed into trying a new skill or something that they rather spend another bit of time but in general um people pretty pretty much go for it but i can imagine if, if you're if you're in a place especially as a technology coordinator and and people, you don't look next to you and see those kinds of people. That can be pretty hard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Scott, you just answered the question I was going to ask the two of you of what have you really learned from the kids? And so, Diana, when you look back at, I guess you were working with uh, being the uh, IT or 
technology coordinator maybe with older. Were you in elementary when you were in uh, Mumbai or were you with older kids? No, I was the secondary. Yeah, I was uh, middle right. school and high school. Well, what were some things, yeah. uh, Scott was talking about the social constructivism and what the, the, I think he was picking up from the kids and how much they would learn from each other and maybe how it, being as tall as he he is, he needed to get out of their <laughs> way sometimes. Um, and that, and that's the thing I say is I'm a history teacher now, and the less I'm talking and the more that they are talking to each other or, or gathering information and putting it together and, and being creative, that's when I know the real learning's taking place. But I'm wondering from you, your experiences, what were some takeaways that the kids taught you from being in a one-to-one environment? Yeah, we had a strong uh, technology uh tech team and uh, with some kids that was, you know, that actually we had the kids that were in the Model UN and the kids on the student government. They were part of the student tech club and um, they were, they sat on, and I think this is really important uh, before you look at starting a one-to-one program is where leadership comes from and it, it should come from the students. And, I mean, they're living and breathing this stuff, They ha- and they have time, and they can see where it's going. Um, so having those kids there to be a part of it, we had a, a, a leadership team that we had faculty, students, and parents uh, on that team. And we that team was part of the group that led and helped to support some of the initiatives we had towards technology at ASB. But uh, every day, and I think the teachers, that was another thing that I would say about the secondary teachers is that, and all the teachers, is that you learn from the kids. It's like uh, Scott McLeod, Dr. Scott McLeod, who was a guest speaker at our, our ASB Unplugged conference, you know, he made the statement that it's the first time that kids know some, something about something that's really important. And, and they're, the, they're experts. They can be used, and we should use them. And um, uh, so what I learned is that when I had issues or things there, I go to the kids and ask them what they think. And uh, so it's a lot of, a lot of sharing with the students at ASB. And I think it should be everywhere. But I think it's hard for teachers to do. I think it's really hard to see that kids might have an idea about how um, how technology does fit in the life of their learning. I, I totally agree. And where where does that fear come from? And I think this goes back to our conversation on the culture. Does the culture of a school help teachers get over that fear? Of knowing that you're no longer the smartest person in the class, that the guy with the cell phone in his pocket that can access Google is probably the smartest person? (laughs) Yeah. He's not the smartest person. He's just having the most fun. (laughs) Yeah. He has potential to be the smartest person. How's that? Yeah. He's he's probably learning more than, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, does that come back to a school culture or is that something – I mean, and I'm struggling with this right now. Does a school culture – uh, make teachers afraid to understand or help or not help teachers understand that no longer are you the content person in the classroom, that everybody in that classroom needs to be a learner and those conversations need to change. And that has nothing, that has nothing to do with a one-to-one laptop. That just has to do with the access to information today, in my opinion. Is the school culture part of that or is that something, is that, something that is just drilled into us as teachers that we think we need to know it all in front of the kids? 
I love it when they're silent when I ask a question. <laughs> he stumped us. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a bit of both. It's the culture, and then the teacher has to meet it halfway. I mean, a bad teacher is a bad teacher is a bad teacher. <laughs> and, you know, all the technology in the world is not going to help them. And, you know, if, if I think it would be one thing to see a really, like, someone that you thought you really respected him as a colleague, and you thought they were really good with kids and that they were, you know, were doing the right kinds of things. That would, to me, would be the frustrating person. I would go, wow, my goodness, I've got to talk with you because you could be doing so much more with your skills and talent. Yeah. But if I saw someone who, you know, was doing a bunch of vocabulary work and kind of been doing things the way it's been done for a long time, I probably wouldn't waste too much time with them because... My my laptop's not going to make them any better. So would you seriously, like you just said, you wouldn't waste your time with them. I'm an educational technology coordinator, so my job is to support teachers. Where should I be spending my time? You know, I, I think definitely think you find out who the catalysts are, and you find out the people who are social when they learn, and when they've got something they're excited about, you, you put them in front of the other people or you... You know, you have the you kind of set those. You can kind of engineer those conversations, I guess. But you know, if you have a if you have a groundswell of practice that's happening, like I'd say that one of the practices that happened in our school last year, um, it was quite interesting. Was blogs? There kind of weren't any blogs, and then there were some blogs, and there were, and then everybody who was at the school had a blog. Right. And I myself had probably five blogs too many because I wasn't quite sure exactly what it was I was trying to do with them. But that's that play stuff that you were talking about, right? Yeah, You're really right. much in a play state. Right. And, but there were, you know, there were two or three people that really kind of got that rolling. And once it started rolling, um, it's that idea that, wow, this is, there's some energy behind this practice and you got to believe that that energy will go somewhere. And so that leads me to the question then, does all this time we, spend on trying to figure out implementation plans for certain things, is that a waste of time? Because good tools will find a way to be used in the classroom. And I use the example of we, this year, gave two document cameras to every grade level and told them they had to share. That lasted about a month before we had teachers beating down our door that every single classroom needed to have a document camera that they no longer could teach without it, which is exactly what you want. But there was no implementation map. There was, hey, we're going to try this. If it takes off, then we're going to support it. We've done the exact same thing like you're talking about with blogs this year. We set up a WordPress MU site and just kind of you know, had a couple teachers start to use it. And the groundswell has been enormous in the, how, in the amount of blogs that we've seen just in the last three months. But is it because the tool will sell itself that you really don't need an implementation plan? The right tool in the right place that actually will change the way you teach and learn will make it into the classroom will become mainstream yeah i you know i think that i think there's i mean that, that's part of the chicken and egg of the whole conversation today is you know i think i believe that when good teachers see good tools they start salivating <laughs> and um you know yeah. so i think that's i think that's right that's I will say though that I think if you if you're looking at it, you know, like an implementation of a one-to-one um, plan, that you really should spend a lot of time planning that one. You know that that's it's it's um, 
I think the more you plan, and if you're looking at going down that road, the better it will be and the less hiccups you'll have. Um, and, there, and there's a, quite a few things that you can do to get ready for that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's a great tool, and we know that, but there are certain things when you put it in the hands of kids and every kid has one, you've got to plan for that. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I, uh, my problem is at this point is, is we continue to call technology a tool, and I believe technology is a tool, but I believe a computer is a piece of hardware. And when you take a computer and you make it a piece of hardware, then there needs to be an implementation plan for that piece of hardware. And I think yeah. that, to me, is the difference. The one interesting thing that I have that I've never seen anything documented on is how schools will sit here and debate for days and meetings over what three grade levels do we launch at. And you know what? At the end of the day, you launch at the three grade levels that you have the most teachers that want to use them. <laughs> I mean, is there a right That's or wrong of... grade level to actually <laughs> launch a one-to-one? Yeah. 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 Well, it, it, there is if the parent's paying for it. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that—that's where you know it just depends on how you're doing, how you're planning your program out. Yeah, and I talked. To, I you know it was interesting because I had this conversation with Andy Torres, who's the deputy superintendent of Shanghai American School, and and their program when they were talking about what three grades they were going to roll out, and he was he was interesting because he said, well, there's the political three grades because parents yes. will be paying for it. There's the political three grades that would be best for the school. And then there, there are the three grades that would be best for learning because that's where we have the most teachers that are salivating over this new hardware. And it was really interesting right. from a yeah, administrative, exactly. administrative point of view to say, gee, maybe there really is, yeah. you know, uh, but where, where's that balance between the political side and the actual, you know, how's this going to affect learning side? Yeah. All right. Well, we're about uh, a good. That's like going to think about that question. The better. Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> think about that. One. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, David, uh, why don't we move into the kind of the second part? Great conversation um, about yeah. a blog post or whatever. Do you want to get us started? Sure. Sure. Um, I, I have to share a story. When I was uh, back in Virginia many years ago, getting my IT degree. I heard about this one-to-one program that was starting down around Richmond, and it was in Rico County. And I went down there, and I said, could I do an internship? And they said, sure. Mm-hmm. And I went in, and it turned out that was, the I think, the, the first huge, big one-to-one laptop program in the U.S. And uh, it quickly became very evident that there had been no planning or no implementation, and it, mm-hmm. it really... So many things went wrong, and I think it's probably been a case study for a lot of programs. And, and I think Maine, uh, the state of Maine, when Governor King was able to um, finance the, the laptops for the middle school, uh, they learned a lot probably from what Henrico, Henrico did. And that's right. I'm going to mention uh, a blog that one of the IT people in Maine puts out. They've, uh, I think a lot of schools, as, as both of you were mentioning, there are plenty of programs out there. and. You all have your institute, and there's that institute. I think it's in Tennessee that people go to. There are a lot of places that one can go and learn how to get ready for a one-to-one laptop. We haven't spoken about the infrastructure side. We've spoken a little bit about the the parent side, the money side. Oh, my gosh. Um, thankfully for all of us, we've spoken about the fun side, the, the learning side, and the kids side. Um, but there, there is a whole lot there to look into. So what I'm going to mention a site. It's... Uh, the author, her name is Cynthia Curry, and the site is called Universal Design in Maine, and it's a it's a blog that she runs. 
and it's a part of the Maine Learning Technology Initiative. And so if you just do a search for that, you're going to run into all sorts of resources that document um, all the effort that the state of Maine did. And I think if I remember correctly that they did a, a whole year at least of professional development where the teachers did have the laptop. This laptops, this was years ago. Um, they followed that model, but I think we can all learn a lot from what they did. And she had a specific post about using mind maps, and as I was referring to earlier, whether you're using Inspiration or CMAP off of your hard drive or you want to go to the to the collaborative uh, tools of MindMeister or Bubble or if, if, if maybe some folks haven't run into Webspiration, Inspiration's put up their version of a web 2.0 mind map on the on the web now and it's in beta and i'm sure when it goes out of beta it's they're going to charge for it but uh in my class i'm constantly using MindMeister, and um it just it's, it's just a wonderful tool so that's going to be my blog post of the week and she she takes a great instructional tool of using mind maps but says how much more you can can use it uh in a one-to-one program using something like bubble or Webspiration. So how about, uh, Diana, do you have uh, something you'd like to share with us? Um, well, one thing that, that came to mind that really, uh, while I was at American School of Bombay, I was reading a book um, by Mark uh, Warshower. It's called Laptops and Literacy. And that, it, it, it really breaks it down. Uh, and I'm bringing this up because, Scott, you remember we used this book for our presentation uh, for uh, ASB Unplugged conference. Uh, but it's a good book to talk about uh, in a laptop school the use of uh, technology uh, to support um, uh, literacy in many different ways. And it really breaks it down well. So that, that would be a book I'd recommend if you're thinking about how it's, laptops are going to promote or support your, the, the learning at your school. Excellent. Thank you. Scott, what about you? <laughs> well, I'm sweating it. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that I have anything as far as, you know, that somebody would want to go ahead and explore and read deeply about Um I have a, a site that basically we're playing with at ASB, um, or we're you know it's it's definitely in in beta, <laughs> I would say. Um, but the idea behind it is uh, that it's a playground, and um, what's the web address? And we have a tech. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it in a second. Um, it's um, you know the, the idea behind the site is that. Um, that we have the, something called the tech leadership team, and those are the people that, you know, are the people that are probably doing a lot of things with technology and trying new things. And we thought to harness that group's power um, that we would try to make a, a, a website where um, everybody in that group had had the, um, the rights to post. So um, I'll just send that. It's, you know, we've started about a week ago, and you can have a look. All right. So it's a Google Sites, huh? Now, do you guys have you guys adopted Google, the educational Google? Yes, yes. It, yeah, we did. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, and Taipei America School did too. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, and and we're looking at it for Singapore American School. Yeah. I believe in it. It's. I mean, I say that Google's really done a great job. The Google Sites. Yeah, it's. I think a great tool that can be on and on. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I, we're looking at getting it set up here at Bangkok, and we already did it in Shanghai last year before I before I left there. All right. Um, my blog post of the week, kind of around this this whole conversation we're having, comes from Andy Torres, who I talked about a little bit, W Superintendent from Shanghai American School, on his blog, and he wrote a post back in early February, and the title of it is "When Is It Too Much?" and when do we say just do it or go? And he talks about. As, as an administrator, you know, when is that tipping point when, you know, the school says, hey, look, we're going one-to-one, and if you can't buy into that vision of the school, it's time for you to leave. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting because this is coming from a deputy superintendent, and it's a very well-thought-out um, blog post from him, and it's cross-posted on the uh, Leader Talk blog that he writes for as well. So it's, it's an interesting kind of concept over, you know, where, and this is, again, it's, it's, I think it's great because it's coming from an administrator that's in that dilemma right now. And when do you, when do you, you know, when, when do you make that wow. move? So, so that's my that's blog big. post of the, of the, I guess, every other week podcast. <laughs> every other week. <laughs> All right. All right. So what do we got coming up, Dave? All right. In a couple of weeks, March 12th, show 23, Kim Cafino and Amanda Dacardi will be joining us. And our essential question will be how to move students from being dependent to independent learners. And that comes off our discussions in the past. We, we talk so much about student-centered classroom and letting students pursue their interest and in, in, in their questions. Well, I think we've discussed many times that by the time students often get to the middle school or high school, they've had too much schooliness in their lives. And um, what can we do to break those habits and to, to help them be independent, motivated, and questioning learners? Excellent. And that's that's March 12th, right? Yes, March my 12th. Calendar, right? Okay, that's excellent. Uh, Diana, Scott, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's always great to get other international uh, teachers on and educators on that are thinking about all of this stuff and how it deals with technology. Uh, I, I just really like finding our voice here as international teachers because I think that international schools truly do have a place in this new in this new world where we can be forerunners because we do have the kids and we do, for the most part, especially these big schools, have the money that we can show the world how to do it and how to do it right. So I appreciate you guys joining us tonight. So that's going to be a wrap. We will see you back on March 12th. Until next time, keep shifting those schools. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. Bye.